Good morning. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day it speaks out, and night after night it reveals his greatness. There's no actual speech or word, nor is his voice literally heard. Yet its voice echoes throughout the earth, and its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky he's pitched a tent for the sun. And like a bridegroom, it emerges from its chamber. Like a strong man, it enjoys running its course. It emerges from the distant horizon, and it goes from one end to the sky to the other. Nothing can escape its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. The rules set down by the Lord, they're reliable. And they impart wisdom to the inexperienced. The Lord's precepts are fair and they make one joyful. The Lord's commands are pure and they give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and they endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They are of greater value than gold, even than the most pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, than even the sweetest honey from a honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds the moral guidance there. Those who obey them receive a rich reward. Who can know all his errors? Please do not punish me for sins I am unaware of. Moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sins. Do not allow such sins to control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of blatant rebellion. May my words and my thoughts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, you're our sheltering rock. Say with me, you are my sheltering rock. You are my redeemer. Start this day with a song of praise 
grateful hearts we celebrate. song of praise with grateful hearts we celebrate oh 
be how I hope it will be. Lord, I only want what you want from me. I let go of my life. I let go of my heart. I let go of my children. I let go of my wife. Oh, I want what you want from me. I want what you want for us. enemies, oh, they consume themselves. Who is like my king? He who rules with compassion and love. Who is like my warrior? He who rescues me, he will avenge me. It's only a little while 
sit in darkness Rejoice not against me, O enemy And when I fall, I shall sit in darkness, he draws me up, he draws me up, oh, he draws us up, he draws us up, don't fight him, don't fight him, agree with him, I agree with you, Jesus, I agree, I agree. When I fall, I will rise because you pick me up, you carry me, you say come with me, run through the mountains, run over the sea, oh, you pick me up, 
He's my way, He's my truth, He's my path, He's my friend, He's my Father. You will hear me, you will hear me, and you will save me. Who is like my God? Who is like him? Who is like him? Oh, who is like my king? Come on and tell me who is like him? Who is like him? Oh, who is like my warrior?
Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? And I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen right. For I'm watchful to bring my word to pass. Surely, says the Lord, my word will come to pass. Psalms 132.14 And he said this will be my resting place forever And I will live here for I have chosen it And I will abundantly supply all your needs And I will give her poor all the food they need I will protect her priests and her godly people will shout exuberantly. There I will make David strong and I have determined that my chosen king's dynasty will continue. spring forth and I will bring a budding forth of David I have ordained and prepared a lamp for my anointed from the promises that he made of old his enemies lie clothed with shame but upon himself the crown will flourish This is a report from heaven. And no matter what it looks like, God's word will come to pass here in this city. Give us eyes to see what you say and what you see, Lord. Unless we sleep the sleep of death. I see a holy 
I see a holy family coming forth, a royal family, clothed in white, washed from the defilement of sin and iniquity. I see a people in great mass giving praise to the Lord. I see a restored families everywhere. I see hope, hope for this generation. No enemy you will not triumph over the church. For great is the faithfulness of the Lord. His word will be performed. I declare to you, heavens, and I declare to you, earth, the word of the Lord stands forever. Take that. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. It endures forever. Forever. God's promises are sure, and God's promises are amen. Unto the glory operating in us, shine forth, shine forth, oh glory. Let your glory come. Glorify us, Lord. Glorify us with the glory that we had when we were with you before time again. Before it even began, glorify the entire church, Lord. Without spot or wrinkle, bring forth and range your bride.
Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Listen, my lover is approaching. Look, here he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the window, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke to me, saying, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come away with me. Feel like in this place of transition or metamorphosis, we're being invited into a place of much deeper intimacy with Jesus, with the Father. And out of that will come a place of much deeper intimacy and openness and vulnerability with each other. It'll bind us together deeper and closer and stronger. But we may have walls, we may have things that are, that we have placed, fears. The Lord wants us to face these things and allow him to partner with you to tear those walls down and overcome so that we can run with him. comes leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. He wants us with him, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills, to set us free.
promised bride and I'm destined to wear white my chest is full of hope and a dress and veil as snow he said he come for me he know when I'm ready my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord and I must get ready now and I must get
bride and I'm destined to wear white my chest is full of hope and a dress and veil as he said he'd come for me he'd know when I'm ready
like the virgins who only brought enough for one night. Don't be like them. We must get ready. We must get ready for him to come. Song of Songs, chapter 6, uh, verse 8. There are 
60 queens. There are 80 concubines. And there are virgins without number. He says, but my dove, my undefiled and perfect one, stands alone. think for many of us that are in this room and you know many of us that probably listen to the podcast have experienced this um, you, you get among the virgin class of the uh, body of Christ and you notice that a lot of them they're not even trying to get oil you're like is that it Lord and then you're reminded like Stephen was saying of Matthew 25 and <clears throat> years ago when you decided you'd go get oil and he made a decision like you weren't goofing off you're just like, you know what, I'm going to go get oil. And it took your time. You were in the private place of prayer. Nobody knew. See, the way of this world, they want to epitomize everything down and make everything the same. They want to set equal value to everything, and, and so does our enemy. He just wants to kind of push you and shove you and say, you just... You're no different than anybody else. Yeah, but I remember when I I remember when I chose to go in the private place of prayer when I could have been doing a lot of other things because I wanted oil and I prized you more than my highest possession. And then the persecution came. For some of us, many of us, we were put out of the churches. I think personally I was kicked out of two churches myself. All for oil. Just because you wanted him more than your very own life. You got in there and you prized the oil. Uh, The oil of gladness is greater than sadness and madness. And you felt your heart warm. Then you found that there was a promotion system in God he said humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord and he will lift you up in due season and in the seasons of your life and in the transitions of your life you made some really hard decisions a decision to prize the Lord more than your job your career more than what your family thought more than what your friends thought He said, I put him first. He started to taste glory and he came into a a place maybe like I think that was happening here. I I remember like Madame Guyon teaching on this or I I would read uh, Watchman Nee, Song of Solomon. And um, I remember like so many times like 
being alone and just being like prizing him as the highest value. You know, because it's happened to you too. I can see many times looking up into the stars. Out behind that old building that is up on our property, my parents' property, back there just weeping, crying my eyes out because I was under such glory. And your soul begins to elevate. And I don't know if, if, if you read like St. Teresa of Avila, the seven mansions, or St. John of the Cross, the ascent of Mount Carmel, or Truman Dickens, the crucible of love. Like you or dislike, I, I want you more. And you're like, man, the queen class, that's something. And the concubine class, that's something. Yeah, it is. They've been shown off on the platforms and they've been seen. And there's some amazing people. But then something like draws you. Your soul is being drawn into the depths of God. And he said, I want to make you a bride. And to get the bridal heart, you see, because the bride in this section, she's veiled. It says at the end before that, it says, your, your cheeks are like the halves of pomegranate behind the veil. It's in the context of being hidden. He says, but my dove, my undefiled and perfect one. That's impossible. And yet he speaks this over his bride. I call you undefiled. I call you my perfect one. But listen here, the one who stands alone. I mean, we got in here and Stephen was talking about this a little bit with me. And I mean, I feel him. I feel him. He's my brother. I love him. Sometimes you're looking at other situations and you're like, what makes me any different? But this heart stands alone. And he says it's above them all. And this is what we gave ourselves to. She's the only one of my mother, of her mother. Janie was sharing this with me. She's, she looks at, at, in the mirror something and the word says, the daughter of Zion. Right? Is that right, Janie? The daughter, article the, not article A. No, the. I said, she said, how is that possible? 
I don't, I don't really understand the article D versus the article A myself and how God could look down on just one. But see, he's, he's really after this in all of us. It's, it's one who stands alone that looks only at him and he gives you the full revelation of himself. And you know what? You're satisfied. I mean, something of this we have to experience in this room before God breaks out. Now, I know this from the Lord. I don't understand it sometimes, but I know that he wants us to know deeply, 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 deeply. As you stand alone in your anointing and who you are, just who you are and, and the why of your existence, that you're the choice one. Even the daughters saw her and said, you're blessed and happy. Yes, even the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. I love this. The ladies asked this question. Who is that that looks forth like the dawn? Fair as the moon, clear and pure as the sun, and even terrible as an army with banners. What kind of person? Looks forth like the dawn. Is as fair as the moon, is clear and as pure as the sun. And terrible as an army with banners. And then the Shulamite replies. Because she's the prototype. Shulamite prototype. I went down into a nut orchard one day. I looked at the green plants in the valley. I wanted to see, does the grapevine bud? And do the pomegranates, are they with flower? Before I was even aware, my desire had brought me into the area of the king's people. And I wanted to flee. I wanted to run away. I think as amazing as the Shulamite is. When she began to mix in the crowd of the king's people, 
I want to run because he's going to show me off. Now I don't want to be seen. You know, the word said this to me like this week, you know. This has to happen, ladies and gentlemen. God's going to take the bride right now in this hour like you've never seen or witnessed and begin to show her off. He's going to present that the souls that love him the most are his favorite one. And they're going to say like this, they said this in the passage, return. Return, O Shulamite. So that we may look upon thee. Where is she at? She's been out in the point of no return. She's been in the heavens. She found the man of heaven. The soul was meant to eat from heaven. The soul was meant to be with him. Come down out of the clouds, you space people, so that we may look upon you. Return, 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 return. I was made for the heavens. I was made for the heavens. We were made to move, to look upon him, the one who is beautiful, to behold the one who's glorious, dressed in white. I don't want to come back. You know, when you've been in his presence, you don't want to come back down. You know what I mean? couldn't understand a few weeks ago I said Lord what what are you saying he's you said in our ministry we're going out to the point of no return and I, I hop Kansas City they're doing return colliders doing the point of no return I was like which one is it Lord yes <laughs> all I can say is when you leap out into the unknown, you want him more than anything in your life. You want Jesus. And the words would say, you know, I want to bring heaven to earth. I want the point of no return to be the return. I can't explain it. 
I want a collision. I want heaven and earth to be one. You know what I mean when Stephen and I, we've talked a lot about this, but just the affection of the Father on you in everyday life. But what about the affection of the Father in you in everyday life, but nothing can take your and interrupt this love? And love, love like radiant light just breaks out. You're so heavenly minded that you're the most earthly good. Jesus said it in John 17. He said he had finished speaking. It said he would finish speaking. He looks up into the heavens. Father, glorify me with the glory that I had before I came so that I may glorify you. Bring this revelation to us, Lord. said return return oh Shulamite prototype the prototype of the human soul completely given over to the Lord return that we may look upon you and what is there for you to see in this poor little Shulamite I have nothing else to give I gave up everything I have. And they answered. This is like the dance. The dance of Mahanim. Or Mahanim. We need you to return right into the middle of the dance of two. In the middle of the red and the blue. The red and the blue is not working for us. The Lord in this hour is going to display his bride. A royal, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. Because there will be no more interruption for you. No, week, no weeks of despair. No weeks of lack of hope. Just union. Ecstatic union. A union with God and man. burning heart of love the fire of God's love on the inner man the light breaks forth and Isaiah 60 people break forth light arise and shine for your light comes 
mark us with your glory. Mark us with your glory, Lord. Arise to your resting place, Jesus.
Amen. Batter my heart, three-person God, for you as yet, but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to men, that I may rise and stand. Overthrow me and bend. You're forced to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like a usurp town to another, do labor to admit you, but all to no end. Reason your viceroy and me, me should defend, but is captivated and proves weak or untrue. Yet dearly I love you and would be loved fain, but I've been betrothed to your enemy. Divorce me, untie, or break that knot again. Take me to you. Imprison me, for I accept you enthrall me. Never shall be free, nor ever chase, except you ravish me. That was John Don. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the seasons of of being hemmed in on every side. So that in our exposure, one more thing, Lord, that doesn't look like you can be extracted. So that all that can come out in the exposure is the radiation of your love and your light and your glory. Do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Lord, to glorify your church. In this end of the age. Uh, bless you as you give this morning. Amen. When I survey the prince of glory died my richest gain I count but loss and 
Um, I, you know, I didn't get to preach last week, so I'm uh, fired up ready, so, and uh, I'm ready to launch out here, so I've got, I've got this word from the Lord, and I, I know, I know that in worship it can be intense, and it is, because we're in this wonderful process of the Lord, and it's just awesome, but the point is, is it brings us to the fullness of God's joy. A fullness of his joy in a sense that we just know he's with us and he's tracking with us. And I, I really want you to be encouraged this morning. This word that I have, I, I think it's pretty cool, honestly. But, you know, can't really help that. But I'm <laughs> just playing. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Jeremiah 33. And uh, because I need a context from a couple weeks ago to build off of, and then we're going to move into uh, this word before I start, I just want to ask the Lord for help. So, Jesus, I thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for unction to preach. And I ask you, that, Lord, that I'll be able to make good transitions this morning, that this message will make sense, and that it will penetrate our hearts, and it will tie and connect things together in us that we don't have to hear it intellectually but, or in our emotions, but, Lord, we can... Sense this by your spirit, and it upgrades our capacity. I pray for that um, upgrade of capacity within us this morning, that this word will broaden our scope. And when we leave this, because it's your word, that it will leave us changed. And I thank you for that, Lord. Father, I just give you honor and glory this morning for what you're doing in our midst, and that you're so with everyone here. And Lord, it's up that we grab hold of the train that fills the temple and begin to behold you enthroned in glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, I went through this. It's a pretty big deal when God comes and speaks a second time and calls your name. There's eight to ten times that this happens in Scripture. Jeremiah had received a, a first uh, calling. We see that in Jeremiah 1. And then later on, Jeremiah is going to have the word of the Lord come to him again. I, I think sometimes, and it's in the graciousness of God because he doesn't have to do this for us. 
The Lord wants, I believe, many of us to dearly know that he's with us. And that he loves us. And that he's got his hand on us. And, and sometimes, especially when we're looking at what's happening with Jeremiah here, he needs another intervention or an encouragement. I don't know about you, but for me, <laughs> I almost have to have my name called every day. <laughs> like, I feel like someone that's like, you called my name 8,000 times. You know, I don't know. I have so many encounters with the Lord that I, I feel like a little bit spoiled sometimes because if I'm not into another encounter, I'm like, ah, what do I do? And it's almost like you can forget the past encounter, even though it was yesterday, it was so amazing. Now, I'm not sure why the Lord does it that way, except that the Lord wants to communicate something to Jeremiah, and I believe he wants to communicate it to us, because many times there's a long season between what God has said in your life and the actual fulfillment of that word. Actually, in Jeremiah's case, he's going to receive this prophetic word, but he's not going to see it in his lifetime. Jeremiah is actually prophesying into our lifetime. You know why? Because he's saying here he's going to gather a remnant. Jeremiah uh, is at the end of Zedekiah, who is the last southern king of, uh, of Judah, eyes being put out, his son's being killed, and his daughters, they say Jeremiah's going to take up into, and this is speculation, historical speculation, so don't take it to the bank, proverbially speaking, but up into Ireland, where Tom McManus hails from. <laughs> but, you know, th th he was going to go up with there with the daughters of, um, of Zedekiah. And there's, there's, you can get into his, history and look at that if you want to. That's not my assignment here today. But Jeremiah is not going to necessarily see a remnant. Now, according to that, it's, it's extra biblical uh, history. He may have been a part of the joining of two houses. But I don't know that I can perfectly say that happened in Ireland, which will go into Scotland, which will go into actually England. And we'll come across the United States of America. It's possible that he, he joined uh, Zerah and Zerah's family and Je uh, 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 Perez's family together. Jeremiah needs encouragement because it looks like in Jerusalem that... And not just looks like, it is that this last king is done for and, he's, and the whole Judeans are going into exile. And he also knows that the Israel side, the ten, the ten northern tribes have went into exile some many years before that. How, how are you going to gather a remnant? And this, this has really become a... Um, I don't want to call it a burden of the Lord, but it's become a primary, or let's say a secondary assignment of this house that God would gather together Judah and Israel within the nation and the nations of the world and bring the house into wholeness again. 
the northern and the southern kingdom. And you've heard me say that many times. Today, I just feeling hit from every corner. We get into worship, maybe y'all experience this too. And I get spun up into the heavens again. He says, you must believe what I'm saying to you. And you must proclaim it out of your mouth. Do you believe me? And I was like, Lord, the remnants, are they gathering? He's like, do you believe me? And I, and I was like, I'm trying to. And that's not good enough. Do you believe me? I was like, with your presence, I can believe anything. You have to understand, this is important. The Lord has a family. He wants to put the family back together. I mean, for you that love family, and that seems so high to you, just think about family restoration. The Lord wants to bring this picture back together. Like we're reading in Song of Solomon, Mahanim, the dance has been with the two camps. Israel and Judah have been divided. You've seen it play out in uh, politics. And that's just the sort of the offshoot of what's actually going on with God's people. The, the blue is Israel, the red is Judah, and they got themselves into all kinds of idolatry and adultery. The Lord wants to restore the remnant and bring them back together. And this is, this is so important to him because he's raising up a Davidic monarchy. The Lord's a monarch, I mean, of the ultimate kind. He's not a Democrat and he's not a Republican. He's not a socialist and he's not a fascist. He's not an imperialist and he's not a communist. He's a monarch. Or the monarch. Of all the other monarchs. He's the emperor. He's of the ultimate. He's uncreated. He's beyond our scope and idea as a king. Um, and so, Jeremiah, we got to get his attention. And, and uh, he says, thus says the Lord who made the earth and who formed it and established it. That's my name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things fenced in and hidden. Um, I'm an amplified classic version right now. Which you do not know. You can't distinguish this. Um, and, and, and what's happening with Jeremiah is he's in quarantine. Does, does that sound familiar? Anybody heard that word in the last year? Anybody know what corona means? It means crown. It's a crown virus. He's a monarch. I mean, y'all see the picture? You see what's going on. The Lord has allowed something to hit the nations that bring forth a monarchy. He's exposed the liberal and the legal. He's exposed the blue and the red. For what purpose? To draw forth a royal family. Oh man, everybody's being tested. Everybody's being tried where their devotion lies. Everybody's going to go through this. It, it, 
and I'll say it publicly, this thing will become, it is not, but it will become the very framework for the mark of the beast. It is the framework for it. And I say, let's get on with it. Why? We need, a king, we need our king back. We need him to split the eastern sky and set his feet down in Jerusalem. It's time to get the king back. He's the rightful sovereign. We want our older brother, our rightful king, to rule and regulate the nations and run the show. And, and some of you know this, and I, I'll just say it again. You know, this happened a few nights ago. I woke up at 3.33. Long story. My life force is being pulled out of my body. I know that sounds weird. It was weird to me. Scared to live in daylights out of me. Later on, I find out it's a polyon. I don't care if anybody believes it. I had enough scripture references, enough two-point, three-point references and I'm, it's 3.33 the next day, Janie says, the Lord gave me Jeremiah 33.3 the day before. And the Lord said, do you see what I'm doing? I'm wanting to get your attention. <laughs> and I, I want love to be at the forefront of everything you do. And I, I'm going to bring an exposure right now. And, I, and, I, and, it, and remember, it was, it was on... Uh, the Lord had us separate in this house, and I, I went between this with you, Amos 9-11 and Revelation 9-11. Y'all remember that? You know, I, I'm a preacher. I didn't want to be a preacher. I just am one. I never desired to be a preacher. But I'll tell you this one thing. Even with me, the enemy tries to get me in a place of delusionment where I can't hear the word of the Lord. Because he gets you down in the minutia of everyday life. He's working angles, gets you just in a normalcy bias. I have to, even myself, I have to pursue the presence of the Lord to snap out of it. Now, I'm doing two and three a days right now just to get myself connected with him. Daniel did it. Three a days. He said, I'm intentionally setting aside time, looking east, and I'm going to wait on the Lord's presence to come over my head and tell me what's really going on because there's another storyline going on. My, my point in saying that is, is that there's such a delusionment that's trying and a deception that's trying to get into your fabric of your thinking and my thinking and get us off of what heaven is saying. And I'm going to tell you what heaven is saying. Because I, I, I have, I'm in the spirit. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I like being in the spirit. But I'll tell you what heaven is saying. There's a juxtaposition. What does that mean, Carol? A comparing and a contrasting of two houses coming up on the earth. One out of Amos 9-11. One out of Revelation 9-11. There's one that's coming up out of the bottomless pit. And then there's another one that the Lord is restoring the family in the earth. A royal family. And he said, in that day I will take and raise up the ruins. I will seal up the broken places. And I will build it in that day, says the Lord. And I will raise up a tabernacle of David. What? I will raise up a heart 
a soul, the tabernacle inside of you that longs for me more than it longs for its very own life. Yeah, is your life being threatened by coronavirus? Yeah. Is that thing real? Yes. Let us not get into denial. That's a real virus that can take your life. Let's just not lie about it or deny it. It can. But what do you hold more precious to you? What is more precious to you? Your life or his? I knew it that night I was laying there and screaming and yelling and flopping all over the floor. I had never felt anything like that or experienced anything like that in my life. The mechanism that makes your life function work was being jerked out of my chest. And I'll tell you, all that went through my mind was carrying the kids. And I love all of you, but I could not stop thinking and mourning that I had not done more for my family. That I hadn't shown them more love because my life was over and I knew it. That was all before 9-11. And the Lord said, it's the great juxtaposition of the ages. And I didn't know that they have a collider. I knew they have a collider over in Europe, the Large Hadron Collider, but I didn't know that they were, had put the god uh, Shiva a few years ago as a memorial to the standing up of that collider. And I didn't know that Shiva meant destroyer, just like Apollyon means destroyer. And that they say, and I haven't, I, I heard a brother call me, and he didn't even know what I've been through, and basically prophesied to me the next a few days after this happened. I didn't know that they're saying that that may be where they draw up the bottomless pit for Apollyon. And the Lord's raising up another collider here. Because in Eden land, in the garden and the court of Asheville, God would raise up a house of David. But then there was another collider that the destroyer would come out of. And the Lord in this hour is showing the difference between two orders. One, the Melchizedek order, and one, the New World order. Now, hey, Carol, you talked about global things. You talked about big picture, right? Well, let's get this down to a way we can understand. Um, I'm going to try to do this in a way that maybe this will help. Because this is what I got over the weekend, and I was asking the Lord, how, how can I do this? And um, I just got to tell you up front, and I heard Chris Balaton say this last week, and if you haven't heard his message, I sent it out to a bunch of you in um, Messenger. Listen to it because of what he says that he says this, one, this is the one main idea he's promoting. We're not in a season or a transition right now with God's people. We're in a metamorphosis. And that's his main point. And I, 
100% agree with him. This isn't a kairos or a chronos moment. You know what I mean when I say that? Most of you are really well trained in this, but I'll just say it. Chronos is like a period of time that's longer. Kairos is a moment in time. It's sort of like you set your clock to wake up at 6.30 to go to work. 6.30 is a kairos. The distance between 8 a.m. to 12, we call it this morning. That's like chronos. It's a longer period. Kairos, if you're going to work and you have to be there at 7.30, you better get out of bed, you know, because you got to be at work. That's kairos. Kronos is a longer period of time. I was um, realizing, because we've all said this, oh, we're in transition. It's a season. Well, season is the idea of chronos. And transition is the idea of kairos. But fundamentally, what's going on is we're, we've come up to a point in history, and that in the history of nations, in the history of the world, and I think y'all can see this just on a global scale, something major is happening and the world is changing. Is that right? The world is changing like never before. I mean, most, most likely, I don't know how many more years out, the dollar will not be the reserve currency of the world. As long as anyone in this room has been born, the dollar has been the reserve currency. It has more strength in the markets than any other economic tool. It won't be too long till possibly you're sitting with a currency that is a global currency that is uh, digital. This day is upon us, and the dollar, as you know, is inflating like never before. And there's no de-inflation no one's going to go back to the gold standard, even though that would be probably the best thing. It's not going to happen. I don't know if y'all understand economics, but you can't take so much out and so much more out and so much more out and print more and you don't have anything to back it up. You can't keep taking credit before that credit basically has to be called in on. The world is changing, and it's changing politically, it's changing economically, it is massively changing socially. It's changing on fundamental levels that has never changed in before. Why? Because, and fundamentally, you've heard me say this, why? Because man wants a king. You were made like that. And man has to find out that the other thing doesn't work. And so they're going to cry out for a king. And you're either going to a new world order king or a Melchizedek order king. You're going to either want the high priest of the Melchizedek order or you're going to want the, the guy that's going to commit the abomination of desolation, that guy, the Antichrist, that king. And this is it, man. The leveling, the field is getting leveled. So again, I was asking where I was like, well, what do I do with this? And I listened to Chris Valentine. He said something really interesting there, and I appreciate it a lot. He said, I really like cars. And uh, I have to say, and I've tried to kind of hide this, but I do too. You know, so. 
I kind of keep it as my little secret. <laughs> but I'm sitting there, you know, with Manny looking at Ferrari sometimes and Porsche and, you know, and uh, the latest tech on cars. And I really like cars. I always have. And uh, I like technology. I don't believe the Lord is necessarily anti-tech. I just believe he doesn't want us to worship technology. I don't believe he's anti-tech. And so I wanted to speak just a little bit this morning on, on what it fundamentally means to morph. Back in the early 1950s, Toyota was attempting to establish himself as a global brand, and they were dealing with the uh, trying to match the U.S. economy that was bringing out the, uh, the Jeep, especially uh, during the Korean War. And so Toyota produces this series of vehicles called the FJ. Does anybody know this, Stephen? The FJ? Anybody ever seen some FJs? They came out with this FJ... Well, first of all, they came out with, well, this FJ to assist in the Korean War, and they came out with a, this uh, FJ-25. And it was kind of neat to me because I think it was last week, I had already been kind of thinking about this, and the Lord set me up. And one of them sitting in the Ingalls park, parking lot in a, in a flat rock. And I'm like, I told the kids, I was like, we were on our way here, and we had stopped. And I said, you're not going to see one of those very much. Uh, or something like that. That's, that's the original FJ. Um, it is a really cool kind of like look, Jeep looking thing. Has anybody ever seen one of the old FJ25s or one of the early FJ40s? You know, do you know what I'm talking about? They kind of look like a Jeep. See right there? Okay, you can't see that. But. <laughs> and so uh, as time goes on, they, they wanted to come up with something. And so what the F meant, it, it indicated the, uh, the engine type, and what the J meant was like Jeep. And so they, they start to build something that's really, really, really an effective model. They put in it that it had a lot of durability in its transmission and its suspension. Early on, it had a, a leaf spring suspension that was just suited for heavy vehicle uh, transferring on heavy vehicle. The, it was a really amazing vehicle. And I wouldn't doubt that it really outdid the American Jeep. The, but the Jeep was really incredible in the early World War. And so they, they started to bring out more, uh, more of these FJs. And so they came into what was called Type 2F and then the Type B. And then they began to build like the FJ40 series. You can look at this yourself, but FJ43, FJ45, the BJ40, the FJ70, the FJ Cruiser. And um, what this vehicle can do and what it was about was it's an overland vehicle, and it could really just take a beating going over the ground, and they put them in desert. They could put them in the, they could put them in the Amazon rainforest. They could put them everywhere, and they could take like a multiple different types of terrain. Uh, recently, uh, this past year, my family, we have, we have an FJ200 platform series Lexus. 
it's um, uh, Toyota makes a Lexus, and I had asked the Lord, which vehicle do you want me to get four years ago? And he said, I want you to go get that one. And I didn't know that that vehicle had a 100% reliability rating. And let me tell you, we needed it to. <laughs> so, uh, eight people, gear, and going off-road every day and through chicane curbs, it, it really has had to handle a lot of pressure. Uh, but this, this year, and I'm kind of excited about it, Toyota, after 14 years of, off the platform that we have, they finally built a new platform called the FJ300. This is what Toyota said. They said that they did not, from what I read, they didn't think they could ever, ever build a platform that was better than the one that they built when they built the FJ200, the one that my family rides in right now. And I can tell you, it's a remarkable piece of machinery. They put 25-year parts in it. I mean, the thing, I, I have my ball joints checked. They, they haven't even, they have, the ball joints haven't even at all went out around on it. After, it's almost 300,000 miles now. The thing can take a beating, and it just keeps going, and it runs excellent. And then all of a sudden, this year, in 2021, they come out with an FJ300 platform, and they've taken 400 pounds of weight off of that thing because of new technology and how to weld. And they put a, they put a twin turbo V6 in it instead of the uh, V8. And they repositioned the V6 so that it had a lower center of gravity. Maybe y'all don't care about this. It's like... I was telling Kara all about it. I said, man, that new FJ300, that thing is, they're not even going to import it into the United States of America because our market now can't afford it. The Saudis can afford it better than we can. Almost every other nation is getting that vehicle except ours. I'm like, ah, oh! and it's illegal to import it. I was walking with Kara, and I was telling her about the FJ300. She probably doesn't give a lick about it, but she's just nice to me and listens to me. And I said, you think, I said, I think that FJ300 is just the most amazing vehicle that's built right now for overlanding. And then the Lord says, yeah, but wait till you see the FJ1000. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? He said, oh, it's not going to be, it's not going to be hybrid. It's not going to be just gas and electric or full electric. Y'all are going to be riding on light vehicles. And I was like, yeah. I was like, Lord, that tech's not out. And he really begins to get my attention. Because you know the assignment on this house, the primary assignment, pioneer for a glorified body you want to talk about a uh, market difference between an FJ 200 to an FJ 300 that thing's amazing but that's not a metamorphosis it's not a metamorphosis because it hasn't literally like changed it they still they've worked the body out a little bit it still looks the same Similar, it definitely looks better. They've just changed the engine position a little bit and just put a V6 twin turbo and they 
machined the metal a little bit different, but it still looks like it's not exactly different. When God made the human soul, and you know I speak that which I hardly can barely understand myself, but when he made your soul, this is kind of funny. I'm going around, I'm seeing everybody now, and I was like, you have a soul. You know, it's like, and you do too. If you just knew what that thing was capable of, you know. If you just knew what kind of technology was sitting inside of you. If you knew that your whole soul was upgradable. Oh, I wish you knew. We could reformat your whole hard drive. Put in a whole new operating system and write a new code onto that thing. Enoch got this. He came into a revelation when he was 65 years old. Now hear me now, now, because now I'm going to preach. Now, he came into a revelation of sonship with the Father. How do you know? When he was 65 years old, right, he gave birth to his first son. His name was what? What was it? Methuselah. It says that Enoch began to, something like this, began to father Methuselah. He's 65 years old, and this revelation of sonship with the father, I believe, really interacted with him at that moment. Matthew 17, Jesus is on the mount. He's transfigured in glory. Everybody gets blasted. The glory of the Lord falls. Peter says, let's build a prototype. Let's build an FJ 300. The father says, uh-uh, Pete. No, 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 Pete. No, 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 that thing's inferior. You're wanting to build an inferior structure. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And you know, a couple weeks ago I gave you this, the very best of something comes from what? Nothing. Hey, listen to him. He is the design and the pattern. He's the prototype and the archetype. Hey, Pete, you got to listen to him. There's no way you can build this. He's a person. Enoch got a hold of it. God the Father speaks from the heaven. He has a hold of it. What is the revelation? What is the revelation? I am the Son of the Father. The greatest revelation to the human spirit is that you're loved by him. No, 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 that can't be the mechanism that builds the new thing. Yes, it is. Everything that's going to happen that you're going to grow in, any development that you're going to go further in, is going to be like what we're experiencing this morning, 
that the love of the Father is interacting with you as the son and daughter, and in that is the pathway of, how, of human transformation. That's why you want to worship the Lord. I've got this thing in my mind, and I think Enoch got a hold of it because 300 years later, he said he walked with God and he what? Was not because he was taken. And I got this thing that walking with God is like a really good thing to do. Who else walked with God in the cool of the day? I mean, this thing of walking with God and communion with his spirit. I'm loved and I'm a lover. I'm loved and I'm a lover. I don't care what everybody else is saying about me. I don't care what's going on. I want to know and I, I want to have this, uh, this self-introspection, this lies come off of me. I want you to peel away the onion. I want you to take the thing off of me. I, I, want, I want more and more light in me and I'm going to pursue you. I'm not going to wait for you to pursue me. In the Psalms, God says, as a command, praise thou me and worship me. It's a command. We did this with the kids the other night in devotions. Out of C.S. Lewis's book, The Treasury of the Psalms, he commands that we praise him and worship him. And C.S. Lewis said he had a real problem with that because what person goes around saying, praise me. I'm awesome. Give me worship. Because when you do, you'll be awesome. I mean, nobody does that <laughs> except God. And God says, praise me and worship me. It's the mechanism of human transformation. It takes, intent, it takes intentionality. I think, now I'm going to just tell you how I thought most of my life. If God wants to do something with me, he'll do something with me. And I've learned that I had a, some arrogance and some entitlement going on. And what I found out was God says, worship me. All this entitlement mentality or the arrogance, I don't need you. That mentality keeps us out of worship before the Lord. And what it does, let me just tell you, it slows down your upgrade. And that upgrade, that kingdom upgrade is going to matter to you for the, all eternity. The Lord wants to extract iniquity out of the human heart. Tom and I was talking about that. He wants to put his kingdom inside of you. And there's no way around this. You, you have, like we were saying this morning, you have to go get oil. You don't put oil in, oil in a combustion engine. You'll lock that thing up. And then he's like, you know, we're going to move from oil to light. Because it's going all electric. <laughs> and then it's going to go beyond electric to light carriers. They're going to float and stuff. I've seen this thing. I, I've seen it. I've been over there to the other side sometimes with the Lord. And everybody thinks, so many people think, oh, I'm going to be strumming a guitar on a cloud or a harp. Ring, ring. Tom said this other night, ring. Okay, I'm bored half out of my mind. No, you're not. When the world comes back, the world's going to be in operation. The heavens come to earth. 
the generation before us was saying when we all get to heaven because in some ways, yeah, that was true, but this generation, the heaven's coming to earth. When the world comes back down, yeah, there's going to be cities and ruins and problems all over the place, but we're going to be putting things back into order. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. Listen, you want to go ahead and get the whole full infrastructure upgrade you can get while the getting's good. Hey, because I'm telling you this. If I'm correct, and the Lord says pioneer for a glorified body as something that this house is about, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going as fast as I can. And what I'm saying is, is because he said, Acts 3.21, Jesus retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. But once all things are restored, he's going to split the eastern sky. Don't back off now, be aggressive. Be aggressive in your relationship with him. Be as aggressive as you possibly can be. Take an everyday Sabbath. <laughs> be a seven-day Sabbath. I was like, those guys are like, okay, we worship God on Saturday. I'm like, worship God every day. Worship him all the time. Paul was like, man, I pray without ceasing. I mean, get into, oh, I'm snapping back into worship. Oh, I'm, I'm working. Put on your ear pods or whatever, headset. Go into worship while you work. What is that song? <laughs> She's singing it. She's singing it. You're singing it. Kara's singing it. What is it called, Kara? <laughs> while you work it. <laughs> they have that song. I'm not saying you should listen to that song, but, you know, you got whistle while you work it, you know, but you need to worship while you work it. You know, you got a Mary and a Martha in the same person. Guys, get aggressive in your relationship with the Lord. I mean, some of us that are in the leadership of the church, we're not going to back off. The, the new leadership in the church is going into the eyes of Jesus with everything we've got. We're not pulling back. We're not resisting him. I mean, yeah, I got behind one week last week. Okay, one week off and it was miserable. Well, forget that. You know, we're going forward. Get on the front edge. Of, get in this train like Lineker saying. Get on the train. Get the distractions off. Set your focus. Get dove eyes and get your heart fixed on the Lord. Say, you know what? Forget that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. That's taking up my time. Boom, I'm into the presence of the Lord. Let's all stand. Yes, I have so much more I'd like to share, but we'll do that next week. <laughs> and the next week. Um... Let me say this, what is, what is the prototype? What is the prototype? The prototype is the Shulamite. What is the prototype? The prototype is the Shulamite. The prototype is the Shulamite is the prototype Shulamite is the bride. That is the prototype. 
take time in Song of Solomon, like we did some this morning. Take time with the Shulamite. Take time with the understanding of the bridal heart. It was the heart that God said of David, he has a what after me? A heart. The Shulamite is the prototype. The Lord told me yesterday, he said, this ministry that I give you and all of us is going to come up on an archetype. I'm like, Lord, that's not been seen in the earth yet. An archetype. Like in this age in the natural. He said, I use the archetype to repair the prototype so that when the prototype is complete, it will send out the archetype. <laughs> I use the pattern to repair the design, to take the design when it's complete to send forth the pattern. I saw it, man, I saw it years ago. In the end of this age, the pattern of God called this order of Melchizedek is going to come out of the bridal heart. It's going to be thrust into the souls of men. And the person at the end of the day is going to get paid the same thing that one who started at the beginning of the day. And the Lord's going to take him out of the highways and the hedges and raise up a family unto himself. Eventually, the pattern will fully correct the design so that the design can fully give out the pattern. Let me say this another way. Eventually, the archetype will repair the prototype until the prototype can give out the archetype. That's the shift. It's the transmission of the glory of God. I mentioned this in the worship in John 17. That's what Jesus was saying. I didn't understand it last week. He said, Father, glorify me. What he was saying, Jesus was saying is, I'm the prototype. When I'm in the Father, I have the full archetype in connection with the prototype. The design and the pattern become one. And then he says, I want to express out you as Father, as Son, with the glory that you gave me so that I may glorify you. I said it earlier another way. We're at the point of no return so that they would say return. Because you went outside of space and time and you received from the archetype into the prototype. So that the prototype could express the archetype, the father. You see, the prototype is the son. The archetype is the father. The prototype is the design. The archetype is the pattern. Oh, I long for this. I long for this because the Lord's going to do this. He told me I'm going to do this. 
I don't want to wait anymore. I don't know how long this metamorphosis will take. I don't want to wait anymore for the one that's worked so hard all day, for the one at the end of the day to get paid the same exact thing. You know why? Because it's the Father that doesn't say. He doesn't say it like this. We were raised like this. you got to pay your dues. You know what the Father says? My son paid it all. And all to him we owe. He already paid the price so that none of us has to pay the due. But guys, you know this as well as I, that many of us have been in a pioneering initiative. We've been getting on the front end of this thing and saying, I'll do whatever it takes, Lord, so that the world will see that you are Father. God, raise up the sons and daughters even now. Help us to embrace you as our type pattern. And I pray right now that there will be a repair and a restoration of our design. I pray for your spirit, Lord, to begin to repair our design. The design, Lord, has tried to, has tried to keep us from you, Lord. The part of us that doesn't want to be exposed, that we would proverbially this morning take the fig leaves off and, or peel away the onion that's trying to disconnect us from you that when we feel exposed and we shrink back down, that we'll lift our head back up and say, He loves me. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what they think about me. I don't care if they're going to follow you, Lord. I'm just going to do it your way, and your way, your, your way is the best way. All the shame on the church and the guilt, it's being extracted. family of God that you would know who you are no more of the beat down no more of the slamming of yourself no more drawing back into a corner anymore and not look at the beauty of what God has made the human soul radiating with light over us, Lord. This every day, every moment to be known by you. I don't want to be untethered from you anymore. I want to be a full tether. The bride and the bridegroom are one. The union of man and God is upon us. Everything that hinders love being taken out. You can receive this light even right now. Yeah, but I believed you, Lord, and the next thing you know, I'm back in adversity. I, I want to encourage you that every time that your heart rises, yes, adversity is going to come because it's going to displace everything that's been in you to get it out so that he can be in that place in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
I feel like every time I, my heart's lifted up to him, something else happens that's a struggle. But I want to tell you, I want you to push through it again and again and again and again and again until like Enoch. It's going to come up on this day when he was and he was not. For the Lord took the church. This day is coming upon us. From the was to the was not. Jesus said this. He says this in John 17. It's really stuck out to me. He said, everything I have is yours. Jesus wasn't holding on to one material possession. And then he says this. And everything you have, Father, is mine. Let go, let go, let go of the material things of this world. Let go of the ideas. Release it all. The Lord says, give it away, give it away, give it away. Just do what he says. Let it go. It's your glory. Because everything he has is yours when everything you have is his. It's the great move of God. Jesus knew it. We've got to get to the point that we wouldn't hold our own lives dear or any physical possession with with joy that they said in Hebrews, I believe, 10, that they let their own houses be spoiled. With joy, they gave up everything for him. That's radical, Carol. Yeah, but if you want all of him, you must give up everything to follow him. Don't resist him. Just press in deeper into that reality. For some of us, it's our outward appearance. Some of us, it's our reputation. Some of us, it's houses and lands. Some of it's our vehicles. Some of us, it's our idea of ourselves. I don't know what it is for you, but whatever he says, do it. Whatever the Holy Spirit says to you, do it. It's the freedom. It's, it's the transfer of freedom. It's the, it's the life of God's light pouring down.
Let me give you something as we uh, we close here. And we were saying this in a Thursday prayer meeting. It says about Moses. He said, it says Moses was a servant in God's house. And he prophesied of the things to come. Moses was a prophetic oracle in his, his, in his day. He had a prophetic ministry. He had revelation and prophetic ministry, and he served in God's house. But there's a juxtaposition in Hebrews because it says of Jesus, and this is what I'm, I'm really trying that the Lord would give us the revelation of this. It says Jesus was a son, is a son over God's house. We must ask the Holy Spirit in the metamorphosis because he says later on, he says, whose house are you? You would ask the Lord for a revelation of what it means, the glory of who Moses is or was. He's, he's amazing. Moses is amazing. But there is a difference between Moses' ministry and Jesus's. M Moses is like... Hide me in the cleft of the rock, and when I pass by, I will see, I will let you see, and his face shone. Jesus is the light. I said, Lord, I don't know how to explain this. He, he said, you can't see yourself as a product or a byproduct. You can't see yourself as a service or a sermon. You can't see yourself as a stereotype. A lot of the world is oriented around stereotypes and subculture. You must become prototype. Until the prototypical sun takes over your whole entire being. Out of servile mentality within the house to sonship with the Father over the house. I'm not controlled or being controlling. I'm not manipulative or being manipulated. That's what I mean, he not got it. He got into sonship and relationship with the Father. Daniel got it, man. He got into three a days. Administrated an entire kingdom. I don't have time for that, Carol. Daniel did. I got so many things to do. No, you do not. You might be doing things you don't need to be doing. Sonship with the Father's radical. It's, it's because you're over the problem now. It's not taking you. It's not about efficiency. It's about dignity. I'm trying to be more efficient. Stop it. Let the Lord dignify you. Son and daughter of God.
Don't keep capitulating to a lower form that you weren't meant to be in. Let us come into the form of what we are. I'm going to spend as much time because, again, we are in a metamorphosis. The characteristic of metamorphosis, butterfly to, excuse me, caterpillar to a butterfly doesn't look the same. One's crawling on the ground, the other one's flying. It's different. It's even more beautiful. It's the difference between Sinai and Zion. It's not me trying to obey all the laws. It's all the laws written on my heart. And by looking at the sun, I automatically obey them. All 613 of them. Lord, give us a revelation of this. Oh, give us a revelation. Give us a revelation that's postmaster builder. Give us a revelation, Lord, that is post-structure. Give us a revelation of this Holy Spirit. Give us all a revelation in this room of this. The glory of the Son. The glory of a daughter. The glory of being held on Abba's lap. The glory, the glory of relating with you all the time. The glory, Lord, of your Holy Spirit leading us every moment and every hour. The glory of the Lord shining in the church, Lord. Oh, bring a revelation, Spirit of God. Bring a revelation on us. Pour out your Spirit on the entire church, Lord. Oh, manifest your love on us, Lord. Pour out your love on your people, Lord. Help us not to resist you, Lord. No, Lord. Help us to say yes to you. Help our whole being to cry out to you, O living God. I'll fall fresh on us, Lord. Fall fresh on us, Lord. is not away from you.
May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.